Welcome, Welcome everyone, everyone to Nerd. Whoa, oh. whoa, what's going on? Okay, sorry, I thought I was going to do it. I suppose you've been doing it for the, like uh, ten or more weeks, right? Yeah, a little uh, bit. No, you do it. You do it. You go. You go. Okay, I'll try again. Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number one seventy six. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we've been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, joined once again by the one and only John White at VJourneyman. Hey, John, how's it going? Doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discuss- uh, discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. I'm completely out of practice at doing this. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Yes. Welcome back, John. Great to have you. Great to be back. I totally forgot how to do this. Hey, that's okay. It's just like riding a bike. That's what I hear. Ah, okay. I haven't ridden a bike in uh, quite a few months, so maybe not a great, great example. But you're not there yet. You got a okay. little. You got a little time to go before you need to get the bikes out. Right, so, right. John, you and your family had a special event, and we want to talk about it today. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. That would be terrific. Just want to say congratulations on the first Nerd Journey baby. Ah. The first baby born during a nerd journey run. <laughs> Between yeah, you and so, me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have a daughter, but I had a daughter that was born just a few weeks back. My wife and I welcomed uh, Keiko Vey White on March 29th uh, for the Data Nerds. She was uh, just over seven pounds, uh, 19 inches long, I think. Terrific, healthy baby girl. We're uh, really excited to have her. It's been a little bit overwhelming, but uh, been a really terrific thing. And obviously, um, come to the topic of the conversation, I took some uh, parental leave. So hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about that process of uh, preparing for it, actually taking it, and then uh, coming back from it. Well, let's kind of walk through a little bit, starting with your reactions to starting a family. Oh, yeah. So that, (laughs) one of the things I realized like the immediate reaction, it's overwhelming, right? It's amazing to have a little baby and it's kind of life-changing to hold a baby in your arms and go, oh, I'm responsible for you for, you know, considerably for the rest of my life, you know? So like that is, again, like a little bit overwhelming and, you know, just kind of changes the tenor of one's life, I suppose. It's been amazing and very gratifying, exhausting, probably not surprising. Highly recommend, you know, just depending on your situation. Um, I realized, like, probably as uh, my wife Sarah and I were talking about marriage that, you know, I had maybe a different level of comfort for on starting a family from other people. You know, my tolerance for financial risk was pretty low. So I really felt like, you know, in order to responsibly have a child like i felt the need to be in a specific financial position i say that and it's actually pretty unspecific um it wasn't like a certain amount of money in the bank it wasn't a certain like lifestyle that i was able to like responsibly maintain 
you know, we were able to responsibly maintain. It was just like a, this general, like, oh, like, you know, we can't, it, it can't be risky. I, you know, I'd prefer not to raise a child in like poverty. Right. But, you know, that's something that I kind of work through. Like that is definitely something that, you know, seeing a family therapist, like with my wife to kind of work through like, oh, I guess I am really scared about, you know, not being able to support a child, you know, and, and having that like come up and be able to talk openly about it and, you know, have some strategies suggested on working through it. That was pretty helpful, you know, kind of is based on how I was raised and then like the fact that we don't have immediate family around to be able to like kind of lean on for, you know, childcare and, and things like that. And the fact that we're in the middle of pandemic. So even if we had like, you know, close friends that, you know, we'd be comfortable asking about and we kind of do, um, you know, for help, like, you know, it, it's still like risky, right? Like it's a increases the level of risk. Um, during a pandemic because now you're asking them to like live in a way that you would need them to live in order to match your level of comfort which is probably not fair you know they're already going to do you a favor so it's just more difficult to ask people for that kind of favor i don't know that's that's kind of my kind of gut reaction about <laughs> starting a family i'm with you man that shattering realization oh wow not only am I responsible for my spouse, which I already was, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, both spouses work. Okay, cool. You know, in some cases, one does not. And one person is the breadwinner. And in either case, depending on your financial state, it could be pretty humbling to think about, okay, what would I do if I lost my job tomorrow? And then you introduce this, this tiny, helpless human who depends on you and your spouse for everything and that level of realization just becomes even higher so i totally get what you're saying yeah and it's, it's just kind of understanding like what it is that is scary about that you know it's like oh what if the worst case scenario happened like what what could i do you know if i lost my job tomorrow like what would be the consequences and what would we have to do you know we bought a house a year ago as part of this process, you know, and it was like, well, you know, what if we had to sell the house? Like, you know, how much time would that take? And like, what expenses would that, you know? And it's like, so you just kind of need to have that buffer or war chest or, or whatever it is. Like, I guess I needed to have it as part of my level of financial comfort. But even the thought process of like, what if, what if you had all those things? Would you still have fear? And the answer for me was yes. And it's just like, oh, okay, so maybe the fear isn't really about that. Maybe it's about just the unknown. And yes, that is it. So is that, you know, can you just control everything? No. Okay. So there's things that you need to do and you don't know all the consequences of those things. Like I've changed jobs, you know, without knowing exactly what was going to happen on the other end. You know, pretty sure it was a good idea, but didn't know 100%. So there's fear in doing that. So it's the same similar type of fear, analogous fear. That That's kind of what my process was, I guess. That makes sense to me. One of the things that people have a little bit of a fear of is that parental leave. You know, we talked to Caitlin Bryan, and I don't have the episode numbers offhand, shame on me, probably about a year ago now. Great episodes on how she 
was forced to take a parental leave very quickly. Maybe didn't have a lot of time to plan for it. But on that topic, John, since you knew that you and your wife were going to have a baby, can you share some of the things that you two did to plan for that? And yeah. maybe points of consideration for people who want to take a parental leave. So Caitlin Bryant was, uh, that was episodes 111 and 112. I think we recorded it last February, so I'm not sure exactly when we published it. It was after that. Um, but yeah, the, the things that, you know, we took into consideration, the planning around that, like we used, uh, in vitro fertilization that is like, you know, just something that we needed to do. Like it was part of, like we weren't getting pregnant. We wanted to have kids and, you know, we had started that process of trying and, it wasn't working and over a couple of years we were like, Oh, let's, you know, I work for a company that, you know, thankfully has an IVF benefit. That's fairly generous. So we explored what that was, went through the process. So eventually we knew what the timing was going to be. Um, at least, you know, we could, you know, try an embryo transfer knowing like approximately what the, the date was going to be of, um, giving birth. So that helped at least there's like one thing that was controlled, right? Um, parental leave, like, you know, the, the planning for it, like it's, it starts with like when you're actually looking for a job. If, if that's something in your mind, it's, it's an awkward thing to ask about. Like, Hey, at some, you know, how do I like not work for you and still get paid? It's like, you know, like that's not a, that's not an easy question to ask, right? How do I go on a longer vacation? but not really vacation. <laughs> you have to, you have to like do some like independent investigation of it. And some companies are very proud to publish their, um, their policies around that type of thing. Um, so it's pretty easy. And, you know, the companies that are a little bit, you know, more, um, reticent about talking about it. Like you just have to be courageous enough to ask the question because you know it's a it's it's a big deal like it it's impacted my life like you know the being able to take time off and not all in one shot to be able to break it up like that it ends up being like very very important so you know it might be difficult to ask like as you're interviewing sometimes you don't even know that it's going to be important for you like it's not even on your horizon you know when you're 22 23 years old and it's your first job you're not necessarily thinking about like, Hey, I'm definitely going to be a parent in the next, you know, four years or something like that. You know, um, you might not think about that's going to, you know, enter in your life for a decade or more. So you didn't even consider it when it's on your horizon. Like you need to start doing some investigation and, and honestly, it might be a reason to change a job, right? Like if there's things about your job that are, you know, not that great and you want to start a family and, you take a look at the policies and you realize that they're pretty sparse and, and aren't going to support you in, in what you need, then it might be a, a you know, a major consideration for, for leaving the organization. Yeah. It's part of that total compensation package that maybe we don't, an aspect of it, we don't necessarily think about. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if you're finished having kids, then you wouldn't necessarily count that benefit as as a perk, but maybe you have elderly parents and there's some kind of care benefit for yeah for elderly folks as part of the company that is uh, you know something else to ask about depending yeah, on the yeah. stage of life that you're at. 
it's just something that popped into my mind. Yeah, it's very true. Honestly, when I when we talk about that, like that fertility benefit, having, you know, the option of just as simple as like freezing eggs, harvesting and freezing eggs, if, if nothing else, like that would have been pretty important. And then the option to go full in vitro like that was like a, a pretty massive benefit for us. So, you know, if it's something that you need, it's just something that you need to keep in keep in mind. You know, it's it's a pretty expensive process. And uh if that's something that you need to go through in order to to have a family, like it can you know, that's like a potentially like a fifty thousand dollar cost, you know. So it's a pretty massive benefit if the company's footing the bill. Something to keep in mind. I think that, you know, alternately, like finding out if you get that similar type of leave or support, or even if there's any kind of financial support for adoption is, is another thing to keep in mind. Like that's something my wife asked and I hadn't really thought about, but you know, I also investigated, you know, because, you know, if the IVF didn't work or maybe we weren't able to have two kids and we wanted two kids, like maybe the second child is going to be adopted, right? Like what's that going to look like? So, you know, those are the types of things that eventually you start to, to ask questions about and poke around and, and understand like, you know, what benefits exist. And, you know, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> I mean, adoption is also like pretty expensive. So if you can get any kind of support, financial support to go through the process, that can be a pretty big deal. And, uh, if you can get parental leave for baby bonding or, you know, whatever, like, you know, family bonding upon adopting a child, like that's also a pretty massive benefit. Things to keep in mind, things that I hadn't really thought about, uh, before, you know, investigating it. Pretty big deal. Do you know if there are benefits for people who may want to be service foster families? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know. I haven't heard of any companies offering that, but yeah. I, that is a great question. Usually like when you're a foster parent, like you are compensated by the foster system. So, you know, maybe that's not as much of a consideration. There's a financial benefit, you know, from the foster system, but, and, and also it, it's not a, maybe specifically not a long-term thing. Right. right? So, so I don't know. It's just, it's a very different thing. And I, people do that like sometimes it's a calling and it's a pretty intense thing to, to commit to. It'd be Certainly. interesting to, to hear from somebody who maybe knows yeah. a little bit more about that than, than I, what's that, what that's like. It would be great to have somebody on the show to share that experience and how that impacted their career. Yeah, definitely. One thing I would say, like, you know, maybe this is not helpful for much longer, I hope, but you know, like going through the process of having a child, you know, during a pandemic is kind of like uh pretty disruptive. There's just a whole bunch of complications around like hospital visits and needing to test before you go in. And, you know, in some cases, like only the mother can go into an appointment, like they're, they're not going to allow a partner. And as far as like obstetricians, like there's a shortage of OBs and like, maternity staff at hospitals. So, you know, going to a hospital, like the, you might select a hospital, but that, that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to support you necessarily. Like, you know, we met people and who needed to have a C-section and it was like, oh, well, 
like, you know, we don't have the staff for that right now. So we're going to need to reschedule. And it's like, okay, how about next week? Like, nope, we don't have it. There's actually a nurse's strike on. So, you know, we're not going to have the staff. It's like, okay, well, now what do I do? You know, that is really difficult. And I don't certainly something that like as a society, we probably need to address like the fact that these medical professionals are probably not taken care of the way that they should be, you know, not compensated, not given job security, not, you know, probably overworked, you know, it's really important part of our society. And you don't necessarily see that until you absolutely need it. And then it's too late. We happen to use a birthing center that was staffed by midwives. It's like a kind of a private thing, you know, so we were kind of out of pocket. I think we got maybe a little bit of insurance coverage for it, but um, uh, it ended up being like an amazing thing. Uh, shout out to the Pacific Pacifica Family Maternity Center uh, in the East, East Bay. Like highly recommend them. We'll put a link, I guess, hopefully in the show notes for the very tiny group of people who happen to be listening to the show who need a recommendation in uh, the geographic area that they serve. But, you know, I'd encourage people who are in that situation to, to investigate maternity centers and, and midwives, like at least the one that we used, like it wasn't about like, Oh, Hey, like we're, we never want to go to a hospital. Cause there's, there's absolutely things that you just have to go to a hospital for. And there are things that they were very strict about, you know, if you're before 36 weeks, don't even like, you're not going to be giving birth here. Right. Like if you're after 40 weeks, you know, you're going to be going directly to a hospital. Now we'll still support you there. Like we'll send a midwife to help you while you're doing that, but it, it just won't be in the maternity center. Um, you know, things like if the baby's in breech position, if you think that you are going to need pain medication, like they just, they don't have an anesthesiologist, so you're not going to be able to get, you know, that kind of uh, pain med, like the, the, as far as they would go they would had, um, nitrous oxide to kind of take the edge off for the mother, not for the father. Too bad, the huh? I kept on asking, making the joke and they laughed and never offered it. Obviously C-sections, like they just don't do that. Right. Not, not in a maternity center, not by midwives. So we picked one that was like, you could almost walk to a hospital, like from our maternity center, but you know, they, had like pretty good stats about like what what they transferred but they weren't willing to like be dangerous in order to keep their stats low it was just like hey this is the percentage of people that you know have a baby in breech position or they in the run-up they decide listen i'm gonna want to have pain medication and so you know i want your the support of the midwives but I'm not gonna go give birth in the maternity center so it was you know pretty cool and then, of course, the parental leave. You talked about the the parental leave and and some things that you did to plan for it. Did you did you actually finish that thought? Because I think you covered some of it earlier. I mean, I think knowing like approximately what the birth date, you know, date of the birth was going to be, um, was good. But like, I don't think that's unique to like IVF. Like, you know, you're, you're in the first trimester, you know, second trimester, you are generally pretty sure about, you know, the area of the date of the birth. And so like, that's when you just have to start communicating with your management chain about what you need for support. And mine was pretty amazing. Like they're so happy for me and, 
you know, they, they modeled that, you know, through managers having kids and, you know, talking about it pretty early and saying, Hey, here's the process that we're going to go through and, and, and leave and how coverage is going to work and, and things like that. So I felt pretty comfortable talking to my managers and they were just over the moon for me, like just so happy. It was a really good feeling to feel supported like that. And then the actual process, like, you know, taking parental leave, like, you know, you need to understand like what the, what the plumbing works like, you know, like the, what the process and procedures are. Usually it's pretty fault tolerant. So even if like you've been off for a week and you need to go and say, oh, by the way, I started my parental leave a week ago. Like it's probably, there's a process for that. But at least mine was like, hey, you know, start like a, an application, you know, or an alert that this is going to happen. And then when it happens, like you text this number and say, hey, you know, this has started. But so that was a pretty simple process. That's like the actual, like, I don't know, procedures for, for taking leave. But I think like maybe what's more relevant for like, you know, career stuff is like how you prepare your job and your team and the people around you for you to be gone. And I think that has to a lot to do with like the things that we've been talking about over and over again. Like one of which is like just maintaining state, right? Like having um, documents for you to like know what the context is for like all of like, at least for me is like accounts and projects and like next steps in a shared place where you know people don't have to like ask me for permission you know it's in like a an area that like they can just all access that was pretty important having that all set up ahead of time having it all be like something that like everybody knew about and how how to access that stuff and then not have it be like a like a hard cut over like i you know i've walked through people through like those documents ahead of time they know where they are I'm keeping them up to date. You know, it's, it's for me as, as much as it is for them. Right. I don't know what, uh, what could actually happen. You know, if, if that didn't happen, if you don't maintain state and have people be able to kind of like walk into all the work that you're doing, have like a document that that's, you know, just really up to date that like people can just go, Oh, this is what John's been doing. Like, this is, you know, everything that I need to know about, like, all John's projects and, and things like that. So that was pretty important. Otherwise you're going to get super stressed out. Yeah. When, when D-Day hits. Don't know. Yeah, exactly. If nobody knows what you're doing, then you know that stuff is falling through the cracks when you leave. And then that means that your attention is split, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, stuff is being missed and not being handled and, and degrading. And it's just, it's horrible. <laughs> so like as much as possible, like don't do that. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it can be not perfect, right? If it's like 90% there and then, you know, the baby comes and you, you know, hop on a call at some point and give somebody like a download and they take notes for the last 10%, then that's, that's as good as you can hope for probably. Right. Cause it, it is quite a bit of overhead to like, do a download at the end of every single day, you know, on every single task. It's probably the best thing to do, but you know, maybe, maybe you're not doing that. Maybe you're not being perfect about that. So, you know, I had the ability to like have somebody like cover me for the last like couple weeks and shadow to see what I was doing. And, uh, that worked great. So it was more of a soft cutover than a hard cutover. 
Um, that was terrific. There's the question of like, you know, how does that person or does that person like understand all the nuances? And you know that that's impossible, right? Because usually like you write documentation for yourself and for other people that you plan on like providing color for commentary for, right? Not here's like a, a brain dump and somebody can read a document and go, oh, I guess I know everything I need to know. I have no questions. That's that's probably pretty impossible. I guess, you know, during the leave, like, do they need to contact you about something? And at least for me, like, my messaging was I'm available. And I'm mostly available on a non-emergency basis. Because how are you going to get in touch with me on an emergency basis? Like, text me. I might not be looking at my text messages. Calling me. I might have my phone off. And then where are you? Right? So... If you have questions about what's going on, ask them early before it's an emergency. And, you know, to the point where I have a couple of days to like notice that you've asked a question and formulate a response and have time to actually respond. Right. And so that, that was my messaging. Like, you know, ask me early, ask often even, but just ask early. And that seemed to work pretty well. Hey, I need access to a document that, you know, you might've overlooked. Hey, was there any additional detail on this project? You know, there wasn't a, a project document linked in the the overall document. Oh, okay. Maybe I forgot or maybe uh, there isn't one or whatever. But, like, you know, there's just that, like, two-way conversation. And it's much easier to have when it's not an emergency. So I have to ask, John, mm-hmm. did, did your checking for non-emergency messages line up with your with the deep work philosophy of setting a specific time to check those was that just a continuation of existing processes adoption of a new one so that you wouldn't be constantly checking so it wasn't i didn't constantly check here's how it aligned and how it didn't align it, it aligned in that i felt free to completely walk away so i i put it down completely how it didn't align i didn't I didn't schedule time to check in, right? Because I, I didn't know exactly how that would work. You know, who knows, like, you know, a specific time of day, every fourth day, every third day, every second day, am I going to have time to do that? So I just promised myself that in those times when I felt free, that I would check in and, you know, scan my email for, like, I, I basically set up some, like, searches ahead of time for, like, Here's like emails from my, my immediate manager, from my director and from my colleagues, you know, where I was the one like specifically being emailed, like I was in the two or, and not in the, like the carbon copy or blind carbon copy, you know? So I had a folder that would like, I could just scan through that and then in chats, like those are the two things that I checked, you know, was I specifically mentioned in a chat? Um, and that like bubbles up via email. So you know, I let people know like that's how it's going to be checking, and so it was pretty easy for me to check. Just kind of run through and in ten or fifteen minutes know that I could clear out, you know, any worries, and then, you know, that was it. Like I didn't didn't worry about it. Other than that, that's awesome. Yeah, you just kind of have like you know that process of like walking away. You have to have faith in the process of preparation. You know, for me, that process of like having, you know, overall documents where I was maintaining state for myself as much as for anybody else, you know, or for collaborating with other people who are just kind of, you know, um, not stateful on a specific project or on a specific account, you know, for them to be able to come in, like see, you know, read up, see context, 
have like massive you know the main links out to other important supporting documents like make making all that stuff up and running and available and up to date like that was just massively helpful for me because i just turned that into this is what i'm handing over to everybody when i'm gone and that was essentially you know trivial to you know i didn't make any changes all i did was like try to update that more often and make sure that it was complete I love the fact that you were able to work in stateful and stateless in this conversation. Like that just made me smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, there isn't a, a thing that you have to do that I had to do. And that is let go of ego. Like the idea that like, I need to be the one who's doing this process. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense to you. Well, it makes sense. Like, like this is what I've been doing. <laughs> like, that's my thing. I should do this. You must yep. feel you feel it's the ownership feeling. Mm-hmm. I own this. I need to carry it forward. I've done all this work so far. But you're right, man. It's it's hard. Even yeah. even when you go on vacation, if you have access to your email, it's hard to not. Yeah. I think what I wanted, like the shift that I had to make was pride in the process that I followed up until this point, right? That I've laid such like good groundwork that anybody could walk in and keep it going for a certain period of time. Right. Not just anybody, of course, it's like it has to be like somebody who, you know, is involved in the process, but someone approved by John white, <laughs> somebody like, you know, that works the company that knows how to do the job. Like, you know, that I've oriented and they can just maintain it. That is what I had to take pride in. Like, not like, Oh, I have to be the one with my finger and every step of the pie in order for it to be fully baked and proper it's like that like if if you make yourself like a point of failure in the process like that's not actually a good thing like that's a bad thing so you know you can say like oh maybe i would have done it a little bit better or i would have done it a little bit differently but it would it still gets done without me you know if you set it up for it to be impossible to be done without you you should not take pride in that yeah and if you can remove yourself a little bit at a time so that it's not such a pull the band-aid off mm-hmm. maybe that helps but it's hard in any situation yeah absolutely and i don't know about you but like for me and my job you know as a pre-sales technical contact i'm already not responsible for everything right i have to bring in specialists to work on specific work streams so it's already not me that's doing everything like I, I take pride in facilitating that and maybe making sure that that, pr- that process gets driven forward, right? Hey, you had this meeting. Was there an output? Is there a follow-up meeting? Like when is it scheduled? You, you know, making sure that all those types of bases are covered and, you know, what what is the output? What are the next steps? What are the things that need to happen for that next step? Can you take responsibility for, you know, the first five and I'll do these two? right? Like yep. making sure that that all happens. But, but, you know, I don't have the expertise to actually like go in and, you know, do some of those tasks, right? It's like, that's why we have a specialist doing it. So, you know, I'm already there, right? It's already not me doing, you know, I'm already working with a team. So like, you know, you have to, at least I had, I should talk about me. Like I had to realize that that was, the case and incorporate that into like the part of the pride that I'm taking. Like, you know, I can be a great orchestrator 
can I be a good enough orchestrator of this process that I can actually, you know, set up, you know, things far enough advanced with enough detail that I can have a colleague step step in and take over orchestration. That's how good my orchestration is. Yes. You know, and that's the pride and ego that I take that I've done it so well that I don't even need to be there. Somebody else can take, take the reins and, you know, there's enough background, there's enough context for anybody else to be able to pick up and, and work on it again, maybe not the way that I would do it, but the way that they would do it. And it's always good to have like more than one person looking at something, you know, maybe they're going to find things that I overlooked that that's great. Or maybe they'll do it better, right? <laughs> that's yeah, that's great too. If I can take pride in the setup and have a colleague who's better at, you know, execution at some parts, like I'm going to keep that in mind because I might ask them to come in and do that every time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're setting up the slam junk, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, they asked me to come in and help with the, the setup on all their accounts. Right. I, I have, maybe it's perverse, but I have a perverse amount of pride when somebody asks me for an account like transfer meeting and they say, you know, like this account has gone from me to them. And I sit down with them and I say, here's all my account, like overview document. Here is my running meeting notes with all the like, and they just look at it and go, oh, wow. You know, almost like, oh, geez, like we don't do this with our accounts. Like, why aren't we? You know, that I have a lot of pride in that, that I can, you know, transfer that. You know, here's all my ideas. It's all documented. Here's all the steps that. I think, you know, need to happen to investigate some of these like, you know, brainstorm ideas or the fact that I need to investigate what the next, next steps are to, you know, do some of these other things. Like that's maybe that's just my thing. It's, awesome. it's what I wish I had, you know, from somebody else when they're handing an account over to me. It's just an extension of the golden rule. Do unto others. Yeah. As you I, would want someone to do is. for you. And I think, you know, we've had conversations in the past about having a brand within our organization. And that is, you know, part of what I want my brand to be. It's like somebody looks at, you know, all my notes and context and, you know, overview documents for an account that I'm covering and they go, oh, I have an 80% understanding of what's going on with this account. John has like really explained everything to me, you know, in a way that is logical, that makes sense. In any given account that John is, is covering, like I can get to 80% of what he's thinking or more in 20 minutes of reading. Nice. That was a big deal for me. That was, that was a real point of pride. Like that's where I had to transfer my ego, right? Not like I need to be the one that's doing it all, but you know, pride in being able to handle it, hand, hand it off. So I guess maybe because I had done those handoffs before to, Oh, you know, this account is moving to the East coast because they're, they were acquired or their headquarters, you know, moved. And, you know, I'd done all those things before, you know, that helped prepare me for doing these things, you know, for my accounts that were staying, you know, with the same account rep. It was just, I was the one who was, you know, taking time off. Well, what if we extend that idea of ego, John, how does it play into the return? So you mm. let it go. Mm -hmm. Do you pick it back up or is it just lighter? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things to take, take into account there, right? Like when you're leaving on parental leave, like, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but like my understanding is like, they're, they're not guaranteeing you that you're going to walk into the same job. 
they're guaranteeing you that you're going to walk into a job at that seniority level, like with a similar title and similar responsibilities. So I theoretically could have been moved to a completely different team covering a different, you know, set of accounts, you know, with similar seniority. So, you know, that was just, you know, that's part of it, but that, that could have happened without going on parental leave. So, (laughs) you know, it's just, uh, um, you know, it's just part of the job. Right. So coming back, it was just like, Hey, you know, I, I know that I'm going to have to ease back into it, right? Because I've been out of touch and I don't have all the contacts on everything. So at least from my, my plan was, I was like, you know, with the account rep, the sales rep who's covering the accounts and the person who was covering the technical side of these, those things, they had multiple meetings a week just to talk about, you know, planning and coordination. So I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to start joining those meetings even before I'm back. So I sat in on some of those meetings and I said, here's my rule. I'm going to sit in. I'm going to, I'll even give feedback, but I'm not going to take any action items because like I'm really, I'm off. So, so that's what I did, you know, and then I broke my rule and they're like, Hey, you know, can you sit in on this quarterly business review? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably something that I can do without taking action items there. So, <laughs> well, I like the intent of maintaining the boundary. Yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's and easy to get sucked answer, into right? it, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, it was okay for me to say no. Right. It was just like, oh, it's going to be a 45 minute meeting, maybe shorter. I'm going to be taking some notes, offering my perspective, letting them know that I've been out on leave for a while. So I might have ideas that are out of date and I always feel free to say, Ooh, I don't know the answer to that. And I'll find out that was kind of my strategy for like transitioning back in. And, and, and I had to like, you know, again, like as part of that ego go, well, like maybe I'm not even going to be the primary, you know, person covering these accounts anymore. Maybe my team is going to have changed in composition or the way that they do things. So, you know, maybe the person who, took over is going to stay in charge and I'm just going to like back them up and I'm going to go transition to doing other things. Right. Like that, that's a a total possibility and that should be fine. Right. Should be fine. What about motivation? I mean, new dad, Mm -hmm. you disconnect like that. I'm sure you start to enjoy the time and maybe some people would even dread coming back. Like, Oh, I gotta go back to work. It's the worst. (laughs) Well, how do you how do you get remotivated to okay time to get back in the groove or or maybe you know you needed to break up the schedule a little yeah so there's there's two parts to that like one is you know have I done enough at home right to help with my child and my family um so you know one of the important things to do is to like gauge like did you take enough time off. Like I had a fairly generous amount of time that I could take off and I was able to, you know, I'm able to do it in like multiple shots. So, you know, I ended up scheduling eight weeks, letting them know that I was going to actually take 10, you know, about a week ahead of time. Week seven, I was like, Ooh, I'm not going to come back on week eight. I'm probably going to come back on week 10 and, you know, extending it there. And that was just, you know, necessary because of where my daughter was like, you know, she just, my daughter and my wife like needed me more like than I would be able to give like, you know, um, coming back, like if I was working full time, that was good. And then knowing that my wife and I were aligned with 
the amount of support that I would be able to give her, you know, while I was working, you know, if I'm not scheduled, yeah, I'll be able to take a 30 minute break. And, you know, because I'm working from home, I can spell you for 30 minutes or I can put, you know, an hour lunch on my schedule and, and schedule, you know, spell you for an hour during then, like those types of things, like, you know, again, because I have the freedom to work from home are, you know, what we needed in order for that to feel comfortable. And then once I felt comfortable, you know, then I welcomed the intellectual stimulation, you know, because I, I really enjoy what it is that I do for work. You know, it's not just a job, but it's, it's something that incorporates a lot of intellectual stimulation, um, you know, problem solving, you know, picking up multiple problems that, with different contexts and then putting them down, you know, making recommendations and then and following up and following through. And, and that's all, you know, fascinating stuff for me you know, the problem solving part of it. It was difficult to walk away because, but I was walking into, you know, when I was on front of the leave, there's a whole different set of, of problems that I was solving that had to do with like being a parent, you know, for the first time. So that was cool. And then if I had the financial, you know, flexibility to be able to just never work again and, uh, you know, still maintain my lifestyle, you know, would I have done that? I, I almost think, you know, not because, you know, the, the intellectual side of it, you know, is really interesting. I really enjoy working with the customers, the types of customers that I'm working with. I really enjoy working with my colleagues. You know, we brainstorm, we, you know, collaborate. It's, it's a really like stimulating environment. It's really cool to be around. I can feel like it, it pushes me to keep on growing. It wasn't really difficult to to get motivated to come back. I, I really enjoy doing that type of work. So, you know, like that is a luxury, I guess, that I have. Like if I was returning to a coal mine, you know, maybe it would be different. Oh, it's super dangerous and you might get black lung and it's, you know, physically demanding and, you know, breaks down your body. Like none of those things are, you know, concerns for me, right? It's it's almost all like stimulation and, and growth. So the motivation was there. I would love to hear from anybody out there who's taken a leave of any kind that was this, you know, whether it was parental leave, bereavement leave, military leave, and you actually realized that you were completely burned out in your job. But it sounds like you were not. Well, I mean, I had a situation like that working for VMware. Um, I lost my dad, like, right before VMworld. I think this was 2019. It was three years ago. Yeah, I guess it was 2019. And that, you know, I think had a big part in me, like, leaving, right? It wasn't 100% of everything. Walking away from it and taking some time off and, and going, like, you know, it's a company I love working for, but I feel like I am at that breaking point. You know, that 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 did happen. Maybe that was part, you know, part of it was my fault for letting it happen. I need, probably needed to take more time off. You know, I probably shouldn't have... Uh, gone and done my view on moral presentation and, you know, felt the need to do that. I, or, you know, if I was going to go back and do that, I should have taken time off after that for that, that grieving. But, you know, that, that's just my situation, right? And that's not necessarily what anybody else is going to go through. So certainly, but it, it, it can definitely time away can make you examine what it is that you're going back to. Right. And that is, you know, one of those things that, that happens. You go like, do I want to go back? You know, if I don't want to go back, what is it that's causing me to not want to go back? 
and and it's it's rarely black and white right they're gonna be like oh there's things that i don't welcome going back to is what it's probably mostly going to be right you know if i didn't go back this is what i wouldn't miss if i didn't go back this is what i would miss right like that guy you podcast with you probably wouldn't miss (laughs) (laughs) couldn't get rid of you (laughs) you tried but just kept coming back uh no, if that was an issue, I wouldn't have come back, right? Right, right. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would be interested in hearing stories from other people, you know, and maybe that's something that we'll be asking, you know, moving forward. Hey, have you ever had, you know, a time of leave and, you know, take leave? And was that a good time to examine, like, you know, a job transition to say, you know, oh, there's things about this that I'm not looking forward to going back to. And, um, you know, how did that work because sometimes it's just oh hey there's these things that i that i'm not relishing coming back to and then you just go talk to your management chain about that and then they help you change those things yep and that's a legitimate response too makes sense to me at any rate any other lessons learned in the transition back moving forward things you might want to do differently before we get close to the end yeah i think that one of the things that for me is something that I'm still facing is like, how good did my systems work? Right. Were my systems adopted by the people that I worked with? So I had all these notes. I maintained state. Did they maintain those notes? Did they continue to update them for me to come back to be able to like walk into those same account overview documents for those running meeting notes and be able to pick back up and see how things had progressed. If not, why not? You know, was it too difficult to do? Was, did it just not fit their style? You know, was it not important to them? you know, why not, you know, and if, if they did it, but it was difficult for me to transition back in, like, why was that, you know, were there things that, you know, I didn't, didn't anticipate needing, but I did need, you know, what, what gaps existed in the system? Like it's, it's a really good way to kind of, to kind of test that. Those are the kinds of things that I would, I would say that transition back was, is a really good way to stress test that, you know, account notes process, meeting notes process, maintaining state maintaining state (laughs) do you foresee any changes to your schedule as a result Um, of now being a parent yeah i mean i think i protected things a little bit more like i need a little bit more structure i'm doing breakfasts for my wife um while she's like you know feeding the daughter and our daughter in the morning so i need it i'm more structured about that so when i'm coming on might be a little bit more structured and, you know, can do I have the freedom to, like, take a 7 a.m. meeting anymore? Like, maybe not, because at least for a certain period of time, like, I really need to be covering family obligations during that time. You know, can I work around it? Like, probably, with enough notice to be able to go, okay, I'm going to get up and do that, you know, at 6.30 and, uh, you know, before I'm needed. You know, it's just not on an emergency basis. Same thing for lunchtime. It's like, you know, hey, I'm I, my wife needs a break so she can handle like you know things that she needs to do away from our daughter (laughs) you know sometimes it's as simple as taking a shower you know it's like somebody needs to watch the baby simple stuff like that to be able to to give her a break um you know i just need to put that in my schedule and you know my colleagues need to understand like why and when that's happening so as long as they see it in my calendar and you know understand then then it works you are a calendar wizard, John White. <laughs> well, you know, it's tough to, 
it's tough to send a calendar invite to somebody like in the same organization when their calendar is blocked for that time, right? And it's exactly. Like, oh, this person is not available. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure to put it in. Can Can you meet at five thirty a.m. instead of seven, John? <laughs> well, that's outside of my working hours. <laughs> It's already in my calendar. My working hours are actually marked and show up in my calendar. So, yeah, I love it. Ask away for that 5.30 a.m. <laughs> Ask away. Uh, I love it. Well, John, I think that's it for the segment and everything we needed to discuss. Anything else pop into your mind while we talked? I think that, you know, people just need to uh, think about these things ahead of time. You know, um, when, it see, you know when it's on the horizon, don't do... Leave it until you need to do all the research all at once. Like if you're thinking about becoming a parent, you know, start investigating things, you know, and then when it becomes a little bit more serious, investigate a little bit more seriously, you know, and then when it's really serious, then you, you know, you do the, the final polishing on all your plans. That's, that's the best advice that I can give. It sounds like you're saying research early and research often. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. You just don't need to do like uh like all the detailed research, like when it's like just a glimmer in the back of your mind, you know, you can just as unserious as it is, you know, it's like, oh, it's like a, you know, 3% potential in the next three years. Great. Well, then you only need to know like, you know, 3%, right? It's like, is there a policy? Yes, there is. Is it good enough for me? It probably is. Like, that's what you need to know. Like, hey, when I do some more research, what are the links like to our internal resources that I would need to save? Copy, paste all into a document for you to discover later. I think that's it for me, but I do want to provide a reminder that uh, we'd like people to subscribe and give us a pause review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. Um, we want to know if we're being helpful. And we're always, of course, looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore for John White at The Journeyman signing off. Adios.